You are listening to Where is the Line? The stories you will hear will be depraved, disturbing, and true. If you are easily unsettled, you may find this program offensive. And if you are under the age of 18, fuck off. Sean Parcells had his first court appearance today. He's charged with theft and desecration of bodies. He's a POS. He's a <laughs> So I, that's, that's just it. That's, that's my nickname for him. He's a POS. Everybody drinking blood. Everybody eating brains. Some monster party. Everybody eating flesh. Everybody breaking bones. Some monster party. Thank you so much for listening to episode 42 of Where is the Line? My name is Kevin, and with me today are amongst my dearest friends and co-hosts, Sebastian. Hi, Kevin. And genuine supervising forensic autopsy technician, Holly. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. That's good. It's been a while. It has You know, this is my one-year anniversary in Kansas City. Today is? Well, no, not specifically today. Oh, for weeks actually. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but you know, it's vaguely my one-year anniversary. Well, how has your first year in Kansas City been? Has it lived up to the expectations? It has, and the parts that have not were just my fault. (laughs) I wasn't. (laughs) That's okay. I did break a couple ribs shortly after getting here. All right, one of the things that we typically do in the beginning of this show is to uh, ask you to say something disturbing. Holly, say something disturbing. Autopsy. Autopsy. When you hear the word autopsy, honk your horn. And we've already kind of discussed that that word's going to come up a lot. So those of you who actually honk your horns, which I've learned that there are people who actually do that. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, you might as well just hold it down. Before we get going, I have to very regrettably mention our Patreon. <laughs> oh, I got scared for a second. I was like, what? what? Uh, you know, actually, you said you canceled it, but um, I still got charged. Well, no. Okay. Well, no, I didn't want to. I didn't want to, like, just shut it down. I wanted to, like, pause everybody's payments, which mm-hmm. I did. But then they auto restarted, like, the next month. I mean, it's fine. For me, at least. I just didn't know if that was information. I, I it's such a source of guilt for me. I should delete it. I absolutely should delete it because I'm just not fucking doing anything and I feel terrible. But then also, you know, like, I'm not poverty stricken, but... It's expensive. I'm kind of poor. <laughs> you know, like, it's really hard for me to turn down money. You know? so and if, also, if, if it really bothered the patrons they could easily just cancel it oh and they any have time. in droves yeah we're down to like 30 now <laughs> oh that's fine that's fine well no and absolutely yeah if you're if you're somebody who canceled you're <laughs> that is i definitely there's there's no hard feelings at all i said and, i was uh, gonna run the discord and i still don't know what discord is uh, yeah we're, we're we're a disappointing bunch you know what we've been busy i i haven't yeah you have have i With making what? memories Making memories in Kansas City. Making memory. You know, I'm not sure. I there's three possible contributors to why I haven't done. I'm so sorry that I haven't done an episode in like six months. I was so excited. We did the first one. I was like, we're gonna take off. It's a new day. And then about four months later, there was an episode. And then six months later, here we are. It's okay. We'll make up for it. Oh, and I think that probably, you know, the reasons that I haven't made so many, I mean, it it could be a vastly, just incredibly different life. Like I went from Alabama to here, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's... uh... I would imagine there's more things to do here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're sadly mistaken if you think there's more to do here than there is in (laughs) Tuscaloosa, Alabama. No, there's a ton of shit to do here. I haven't really taken advantage of a lot of it, which brings me to the second possible reason, which is uh, medicinal marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could <laughs> yeah. be a contributor. By the way, it's all the way legal here. We it can now, now have yeah. recreational weed. Well, I think technically right now you can smoke it recreationally, but it won't be available until like 
February in the dispensaries to non-medical card holders. And uh, did you see the news that they're already planning a marijuana district in town? Yes. <laughs> By the river. I want to go at least once. At least oh, once. Yeah, I got to go try it out. Yeah, I don't imagine this is going to be a place that I hang out frequently, but nah. I do like it. I mean, coming from Alabama. To this, yeah. Yeah, to a place <laughs> that's planning a recreational marijuana district. It's amazing. And you know what? If we don't ever make another episode, I think that it was probably worth just doing the whole fucking thing because I, I wouldn't have gotten out of Alabama if it hadn't been for this show, probably. Mm-hmm. I'd probably be still fucking That's probably here. very true. That's how we all met each other was secondhandedly kind of through. It was weird. <laughs> It's kind of culture shock mm-hmm. a little bit, you know. I, I grew up in this little town called Nauvoo, Alabama, population 250. Mm-hmm. Notoriously situated in the worst part of Alabama. And then I moved to Tuscaloosa, which, you know, it has a big college in it and things. It's better for a while and then it gets worse. Anyway, going from that to here, like my neighborhood that I live in now, when you drive down the street you see signs that say things like science is real and everybody has a rainbow flag like hanging this off of the porch this neighborhood yes this neighborhood is colloquially known as the gaberhood it is yes <laughs> this neighborhood in particular has so many cute houses and i feel like every other one is owned by an adorable gay couple or queer couple and they all have those rainbow flags outside. And that's what I loved about this neighborhood whenever I was down here. During COVID, I would it's, just walk around all the time. It's so vastly different. So the house I lived in before I got here, my neighbor across the street, uh, you know, called <laughs> me the F slur <laughs> several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's nice and it, it's, it's hard to get used to. Sebastian and I went and saw Idols. We did. That was great. That was a lot of fun. We haven't been on here since me and Kevin went to Vegas. Holly went to, uh, what was it, a forensic autopsy conference? It was, uh, okay, so I'm really bad with this acronym. The conference was the IACME, which is the International Association of Coroners and Medical Examiners. This is all great, but can you back up and tell the story about how you almost escaped a mass shooter? Oh, yeah. We can talk <laughs> yeah. Well, let's back up one more before we get to that exciting part. I will like to say, right before this happened, we were at Cirque du Soleil and saw a guy bust his ass off of the oh, wheel yeah. of death. Yeah. That guy, like, I mean, and he was obviously injured. Not like super severe, not life threatening, but like he's going to be out for a minute because the way he flew off that, at first she thought, was that supposed to happen? But the way his thigh no, I hit heard the side the of that. It was, I knew immediately that was like, because you just heard. Yeah. And like, I know exactly what type of injury probably was acquired from. At the very least, he probably had some tissue separation between like the fat and muscle. It probably created some kind of huge hematoma. And then after that, a, a little person came out and told some jokes to settle yeah. everybody down. And, you know, the guy flying out of the wheel of death, I'm sorry I keep talking about this, but I don't want, you know, I'm sorry this guy got hurt. I don't want the, I don't want anybody to get hurt, obviously. But I feel like there's something about the performers where they think that this was a less entertaining show somehow. But I feel like it's kind of like nascar where it's you see a the, wreck yeah it's like <laughs> and i mean I we are on that this that was, podcast so <laughs> yeah i hate to admit that that was my the most exciting part i had of forgot about that to me i know because I of what happened it. after that yeah <laughs> we walk out of Cirque du Soleil and what is that we were called? at the new york new york new york new york walking out of that on this crosswalk towards the mgm grand in a Idle wave of people start yes. pouring out of the MGM Grand. All of a sudden, the people started turning. And f- like you see in all of the movies where all of a sudden the crowd shifts and starts running in the opposite direction. And I specifically locked eyes with this guy. And I was like, what's going on? And he's like, there's an active shooter. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I look up at Kevin. <laughs> and I was like, come on. And he's this motherfucker is just staring up <laughs> over everybody's heads. <laughs> like He's the tallest dude there. And you can see he's just looking over like he's trying to see what's going on. What's going well, down? I want to see what's going on. Yeah. And I was like, Kevin, come the fuck on. I see what these guns do every day. 
bye like let's go <laughs> i mean i wasn't gonna hear be a hero or anything but you know if i'm it. that close yeah. i want to see what's going on and i will make sure that there's a herd of people between me let's there go will really be far, like 50 though. people that will get shot before me god i mean good thing after all this but we have to yeah but then we run off of this this uh crosswalk down to the street, and then we encounter people running in the opposite direction, telling us that there is a shooting at their casino. But what has actually happened is that the people running out of the MGM Grand, a lot of them ran straight through New York, New York, into the next casino and told all of those people about the shooting. They ran outside. Yeah, so everybody's so imagine like yeah, there's so many people game of active shooter telephone yes. starts happening. And then like there's masses of people just running out. So of course, what what does anybody in America do where you know there's no gun control and people are running thinking it's for well, their there, lives. There's conflicting reactions to this, obviously. <laughs> you were excited about this situation. But then, so everybody's running out, but then here comes the helicopters. There's helicopters, there's cop cars, there's sirens. It seems so real. Oh, yeah, it absolutely did. We hop a fence. By the way, I'm in a dress. One of my most revealing dresses. We trampled some landscaping. Yes. We jumped a fence, trampled some landscaping, made it to another hotel room in their, or hotel. And there was a taxi and a lady getting out of the taxi who had no idea any of this shit was going on. If she had known that this shit was going on, she would have gotten right back in the fucking taxi and left. But we didn't tell her. So she she got out yeah. of the taxi and we took it and yeah. went home. <laughs> we just hopped in. I was like, I don't care how much it costs. Just get, get us back. Get us back. And then I... I texted Sebastian and Donnie and was like, guys, I don't know what's going on, but apparently there might be an active shooter. I love you. <laughs> and like, then I'm immediately on Twitter. Immediately. And yes. what actually happened that led to this mass chaos in Las Vegas? Apparently some some angry drunk dude hit a door, a glass door, and the breaking of the glass door sounded like a gunshot. And then huge panic ensued, which... Valid. Yeah, it's valid. it's super valid, especially because Vegas was uh, a location of like one of the deadliest mass shootings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was legitimate fear. <laughs> uh, but luckily, it, nothing happened. Nobody died. It wasn't real. Yeah, that should show how terrifying. It was for you, not Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, <laughs> I had to like grab this man's hand and be like, come on. And like hold his hand and he drag him with me. He wanted to see some culture. He left Alabama for a reason. <laughs> uh, he wanted some excitement and we got it. Or maybe being from Alabama, I maybe. don't have the healthy fear of guns that maybe. people from other parts of the world have. I do think it's regrettable that we live in a country where somebody can break a window and all hell will break yeah. out of fear that there is a man. Because it happens happening. too often. All right, are we ready to get into this episode? Yep. Let's do it. In 2009, a Kansas man named Sean Parcells proudly began a forensic autopsy group that would eventually come to be known as National Autopsy Services. Since then, Parcells has performed thousands of autopsies on bodies for which the cause of death was called into question. In doing so, he's provided countless heartbroken families with whatever peace can be found in finally discovering the truth of their loved one's passings. Parcells has testified in numerous court cases relating to jurors his finding on victims' causes of death helping them to either convict and condemn or acquit and redeem those who stand accused of disassociating bodies from their souls. Sean Parcells has even found himself on CNN describing to Anderson Cooper his findings related to a very high-profile murder investigation. Today's subject has provided peace of mind to grief-stricken families and has done the same for entire communities by way of local and national news interviews. He has given answers to seemingly unanswerable questions and in the course of doing so has made himself the most recognizable dissector of human remains 
here in Kansas City and throughout the rest of the Midwest. So what's the problem? The problem is that Sean Parcells is not qualified to be doing any of this. So how could this happen? Why was a man with no credentials allowed to prod the interiors of thousands of human remains? And how did he become so confidently prominent in a profession for which he was entirely unqualified? That's the topic of our show today. The goddamn audacity of Sean fucking Parcells. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. Sean Parcells grew up in a small town near Lenexa, Kansas, where he did nothing particularly interesting for 30 years, until in 2009, he started a pathology group in Overland Park, Kansas. Supposedly, the point of this pathology group was to provide more affordable autopsies to county coroners with small or slashed budgets. So there's two two questions I want to ask you first, Holly, since okay. you actually do this for a living and are qualified to do so. What qualifications do you need to perform an autopsy? The question is a little complicated in the sense of roles that different people play. So I, for example, perform autopsies. I am not qualified myself to do an autopsy by myself. And that's where he was at. So I perform autopsies with forensic pathologists, board certified forensic pathologists. And I am basically like their assist in doing it. So I remove all the organs and whatnot. And then they dissect the organs, do the diagnoses, stuff like that. It's very complicated because every state has different rules. But in Kansas, where he was performing initially, um, that's a coroner state. So coroners... People are also very confused. You might get really. That was actually the second question I was going to have. Okay. Is because I'm just going to I'm just going to be honest. I don't apparently understand what a coroner does either. Because when I read that Parcell's thing was that he was offering more affordable autopsies to coroners, yeah. that made me wonder what the fuck does a coroner do there? And there is a I would say the mass majority of the general population doesn't understand what a coroner does. I have very strong opinions about coroners. <laughs> the main difference is is that a coroner is an elected official. So they are put on a ballot and voted for. They do not have to have sketchy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's sketchy as yeah, fuck. <laughs> they do not have to have any kind of prerequisite qualifications in a lot of states they are just voted for what do they actually do just declare people deceased they will go on scene to check out the scene check out the decedent um, and then they can decide if that person needs an autopsy or not and so therefore they send it to somebody like me coroners do not perform autopsies at least in the state of missouri they send it to medical examiners or qualified people to perform those autopsies. What he was doing in particular is he was uh, basically advertising his services to coroners, like small towns that might have two people that needs an autopsy. And he's like, hey, I'll do that for you. Get your death certificate for you if you'll let me for this discounted price. And they just believed him, (laughs) which is the crazy part. And I think actually he did a mass majority of his autopsies were what they call private autopsies. So that's also something that you might have to cut out a lot of me talking about because I have very strong opinions about particularly second autopsies, which he was offering to do a lot. I feel like a a huge part of this story, I mean, this went on for over a decade. Yeah. This, I feel like this should have stopped at any point point that someone bothered to look up his qualification. Why did why did he get away with this for so long? Well, How did nobody look this shit up on him? I would say the biggest issue um, is that there are a lot of gray areas concerning the laws and rules of who can and cannot do an autopsy. Technically, what he was charged with, most of it wasn't necessarily performing the autopsies. It was the fraud. So it was in the, uh, what was it, like wire fraud is what in particular got him the most time. It wasn't even the 
desecration of these bodies. It was the fact that he was frauding his credentials and then having people pay for the services of for the credentials that he doesn't have. So Parcel starts this uh, national autopsy services business in 2009, and things are going along pretty well. Uh, and in 2011, Parcells gets a taste of the limelight when he is interviewed by possibly the worst reporter <laughs> I've ever read anything from at the St. Louis Post. So in 2011, this reporter from the St. Louis Post shadows Parcells and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, on this particular day, which a lot of the reason, a lot of Parcell's problem came with not having a pathologist with him when he was yeah. performing autopsies. So on the day that the reporter came, he had a pathologist with him uh, and he was responding to a potential suicide. And this reporter <laughs> uses some flowery language. Uh, so the first sentence in this article from the St. Louis Post is, Sean Parcells doesn't talk to dead people, but they do answer some of his questions. What the fuck? That's <laughs> terrible. That's fucking awful writing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't it, know what you're even going for. And yeah. That. I mean, <laughs> so in the course of this article, the reporter is talking to Parcells about how difficult it is to do this kind of work. And Parcells says that once you start doing the autopsy, your mind switches into this analytical mode. The reporter continued this thought by writing, quote, You know, before I read this, uh, just uh, as soon as I read this, I don't know. I just, I feel like this reporter reads a lot of romance novels. <laughs> so, so listen to this. <laughs> like, okay. Quote, The aesthetic changes too. Symmetry and order replace the more visceral image of the end of life. Goldenrod fat layers crisscross the red-violet muscle tissue and ruby-red arteries across the ribcage. The bulbous, cream-colored small intestine rises up underneath. What the fuck? Swelling with passion. That does not... I added the last one. Everything except for that last thing, though, was absolutely in there. I, I don't even Does understand. That sound like it's no sexual. T I know I read it like it's a romance novel, but still a little bit. And like the description, I'm not really resonating with it, being that I do open human beings. Goldenrod fat layers. What is that? Goldenrod red Golden violet muscle tissue <laughs> and ruby red arteries. Bulbous cream colored small and. Intestines rise up. I mean, sometimes they are a little filled with um, all of the gases if they've been hanging out a little bit. And so whenever you cut through that abdominal wall, they'll like kind of poof out a little bit. But I feel like that's a little hyperbolic for a serious news organization. And that makes me very curious of the actual experience that that reporter had with him. How did he... Her email's at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> How many autopsies did she watch with him or oh, just the one just she the went she apparently went there. i mean a, according to this beautifully written article <laughs> she went there uh, and observed one autopsy okay yeah some people about it i guess apparently i mean some people let me tell you i have come across some weirdos that are into it a little bit too much i went out on a date with a guy one time <laughs> that was we went on a couple dates, but so you being someone who does autopsies, so this is a this is a story of a weirdo who was into your job. Oh yeah, like it was. So I was introduced to him through a friend, a mutual friend, and I have zero fucking clue why she thought that I was going to enjoy being around this uh, individual. But he was he would try to like talk about my work while trying to make out with me it was so fucking weird like while making out with you like trying to make out <laughs> like it was just grotesque <laughs> okay i i definitely i want to hear the specifics of one of these encounters so he's like grabbing your face trying to like <laughs> and he's like you cut up bodies <laughs> like it was just 
really cringy and gross and it was my it was like two ends of the spectrum. He was the first one I came across that was super he's the only one that I've ever came across that was like that into it and it like never had anybody mention it while they're also trying to simultaneously get into my pants. Like he would do both. Try to get in my pants, which he never did, by the way. <laughs> he never did. <laughs> and also talk about my job and try to like intertwine them. It was very creepy. It was really gross. <laughs> So everything's going along fine for Sean Parcells for a little while. He's making a lot of money with this business. But then in 2013, actual professionals, people with real credentials, which, you know, I don't think I've mentioned yet, Sean Parcells has none. Actual professionals start cashing on to what Sean Parcells is doing. Uh, one of the first whistleblowers was a former Lincoln County coroner named Robert Shramick. I'm not familiar. Not a buddy? Mm -mm. Not a buddy of yours? No. Well, Shramick had uh, at one point hired Parcells to perform an autopsy to discern the cause of death for a body that had come into his office. Shamrick became suspicious after Parcells performs this entire autopsy and then asks Shamrick what he should put down for the cause of death. There's a couple of ways, there's a couple of things I'm thinking about this, because my first thought is this is just incompetence. Yeah. But might this also be him trying to skirt some kind of rule about um, performing autopsies by letting the physician or whoever actually declare the cause of death rather than him? Keep in mind, I'm mainly familiar with Missouri, and I think he did a lot of his work in Kansas. But for us, whenever we have a coroner come in bring a body to us for an autopsy, they have to sign a piece of paper saying that they will sign the death certificate. So the coroners are signing the death certificates, I think, but the work, the actual autopsy to get the answers is performed by some kind of MD. So our paperwork that they have to sign basically says that you will agree with the cause and manner of death that our forensic pathology finds. You mm. cannot change it because then... Their name is on the report, but the coroner is signing it for his jurisdiction. So we want to make sure that they don't, like, change it, basically, if somebody's angry about it or whatnot, whatever we may find. Like, you would assume that the person performing the autopsy would be the one that tells you, I mean, isn't oh, that what Oh, they should. Yes, that's the is. whole point. That's <laughs> the whole point. of That's exactly what they're paying him to do. They're paying him to find cause and manner, and the coroner is signing the death certificate under that cause and manner. But he might be trying to do some kind of like uh, customer satisfaction. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, what do you, what would you like it to be? I mean, I mean, that's basically the point of a lot of second autopsies is that they aren't satisfied with the first autopsy. And on the second one, which I have very strong negative feelings towards, basically you're paying somebody, you're finding somebody to pay a fuck ton of money to tell you what you want to hear to tell you what you want to hear and a lot of that happened with covid deaths somebody would die from covid and then their partner or family who was a non-believer would be like nope they did not and then pay somebody to tell them something else mm -hmm. basically so 2013 seems to be the year when things are starting to really fall apart for parcels the same paper that wrote that article that I really can't stand, just fucking lampooned Parcells in May 2013. So in the St. Louis Post, as part of this article, they got on Parcells' LinkedIn and started tracking down some of the qualifications that he had listed for himself. So one of the things that he listed is that he had been a graduate student at the University of Florida for two years. When they asked him about it, I believe Parcell said that he never actually went, but he fully intended to. So <laughs> <laughs> he updated his LinkedIn profile in advance of his attendance. Wow. <laughs> also, Parcells listed the National Association of Medical Examiners and American Academy of Forensic Sciences <gasps> under the organizations that he belongs to. They no. contacted both of those groups, and he is not a member of either at the time that no. they wrote this. So NAME is a accreditation that not very many offices have. So medical examiner's offices 
can be accredited or non-accredited. And my office, for example, is, and at the moment, I do believe that my office is the only name accredited facility in the state of Missouri. Even St. Louis isn't name accredited. It's really hard to get. It's a humble brag. (laughs) I maintain that Morgan, it is done very well. High five. High five. One of my favorites is that Parcells apparently was using the professional initials FPA, uh, which stands for Forensic Pathologist Assistant. This is apparently a designation that he invented himself. This is oh, a real it thing. is um, because so a lot of people get confused with um, like my job, for example, simply put is I'm a forensic autopsy technician. I also happen to supervise them. The point of them of forensic technicians is to assist a forensic pathologist in performing the autopsy. So the evisceration and whatnot. PAs do exist, pathology assistants, but they usually work in like a hospital setting whenever they do like pathology stuff, diagnosis stuff, that Mm. kind of thing. I don't do that, so I don't really know. But there is a specialty school for it, and it usually pays more money than a forensic technician. He also listed a New York chiropractic college. (laughs) Because that makes sense. Uh, And when they checked up on that, it turned out that at the time of the writing of this article, he had only attended one semester there. Oh, well, he took a crack (laughs) at it. How many semesters does it take? (laughs) Apparently more than one. (laughs) Well, yeah, I would hope so. Uh, Yeah, so, like, uh, apparently he was forging a lot of these signatures, Mm -hmm. according to people. So a lot of times these reports that he came up with had the signatures of doctors who not only didn't sign the documents, they weren't even fucking there. Right. Uh, one person that Whether, accused... Uh, did he ever just make up doctors? <laughs> like, just make up names? No, yeah. I think he actually used real names of doctors who later found out and... Yeah, yeah. like, one of them got... I think one of them... It, I could be wrong, but one of the doctors got contacted about a report that his name was on that he had no idea what was being referred to. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, mm-hmm. that actually... Uh, I came across that. That happened in April 2013. Yeah. They called him in... Friedlander, Dr. Friedlander was his name. Uh, they called him in to discuss the autopsy report for someone who they think died of a heroin overdose. And even though Friedlander's signature appeared on the document, for the St. Louis Post, he, quote, testified that he had not signed the report, that it was not his signature on the report, that he had not been consulted concerning the death. And it went on to say... He had not authorized anyone else to put a signature on the report and that he had no knowledge of the case. How fucking good was this guy at forging signatures? Apparently not that good because uh, I believe at one point Friedlander (laughs) said that that just didn't even look like his signature. You know, you can like get copies of death certificates for a fee and you could literally he could have photocopied that he couldn't even do that <laughs> apparently i mean <laughs> like, i didn't see the signature but friedlander says it doesn't look right it's the audacity I, and it, so friedlander apparently caught a lot of this so a lot of his reports had friedlander's name on them there was one report where parcells signed friedlander's name with a cop right there watching parcells without what? friedlander in oh, the room fuck. jesus christ the white and, man audacity. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, okay, now, we need to hear Parcell's side of this. Okay. So his side is, uh, he has no idea how it happens. He says, <laughs> <laughs> he thinks somebody else changed that name on the form. Yeah. So, so Parcell is already catching shit from actual professionals. I mean, there's a huge group of people who have a lot of big concerns about Sean Parcells in, you know, around 2013. And then 2014 comes around and something awful happens that just shoots Sean Parcell into the spotlight. And this is what finally probably caused the collapse of Sean Parcell's little racket. So 2014 is the year when, uh, if you're in America, you're probably going to remember this. I don't know if it you know, made quite the stare overseas that it did here. But 2014 was the year that Michael Brown was shot and killed by police officer Darren Wilson in Ferguson, Missouri, which is a suburb of St. Louis. Officer Wilson fired 12 times, struck Michael Brown with six shots, and Michael Brown died at the scene. He was unarmed when the officer opened fire on him. So this story about Michael Brown starts gaining some traction, uh, and the family decides to have a private autopsy performed and in comes Sean Parcells. Not only a private autopsy, but a second autopsy. Yeah. Parcells starts getting media attention when he suggests 
that Michael Brown might have had his hands up when the officer fired on him. <laughs> and the reason that Sean Parcell speculated this is because there was a gunshot wound that entered the front of Michael Brown's arm. So to Sean Parcells, this indicated that his arms were probably up when the officer started firing. There's a <laughs> I mean there's immediately a lot of problems. I'm just with shaking that. my head because I hate so much that Sean Parcells got involved with this case. So so much because one it was a very important thing and if you don't think so then you're wrong but black lives matter and it did spark what needed to be sparked but there was the hands up don't shoot movement which came specifically from those findings from him the thing is is that whenever i saw that on the news i was absolutely blown away i was like no reasonable educated Forensic pathologist would ever have that released on the news like that or even talk to the news like that. None of them. No forensic pathologist worthwhile it would do that. It wasn't just the local news either. He oh. talked to Anderson fucking Cooper about this. Yes. and Anderson Cooper immediately pointed out, couldn't that be if uh, he was running away mm-hmm. or something? You and know, that's does exactly that necessarily the mean thing. his hands are up? And Sean Parcells kind of evades that. Like, he never says that Michael Brown's hands were up, but he keeps mentioning it. You know, like, he yes. keeps putting it out there as a possibility, which I guess technically it is a possibility, but one of an infinite amount of possibilities. Yes, it is. And the fact that he basically got a motto brought about from his quote unquote findings from that second private autopsy hands up don't shoot yes which yeah i which i know you're way more pissed off about this than i am Mm -hmm. considering you're in the same line of work but you know the sentiment of hands up don't shoot i mean is perfect i mean in america we genuinely have a problem with police shooting unarmed specifically black people yes so this is a sentiment that needs to be radiating out it's just a fucking shame where it came from exactly that's the problem and that's why it pisses me off like i said nobody reasonable in that line of work would ever have went on the news like he went on the news nobody that i know would have ever done that that works in this line it's kind of a an aside but one of the wounds that michael brown had apparently was in the top of his head Mm -hmm. what so basically it's Once in a while, you can actually see how somebody was moving while they were being shot due to the trajectory. My best guess on this uh, and what I can say has happened in my line of work that I personally did the autopsy on. So whenever you're being shot, you're going to be moving. You're going to be either ducking or running away, trying to get away from this life-threatening event that's happening to you. And so therefore, he could have very well, as he was getting shot, ducked down. And then therefore a bullet coming from that direction went into the top of his head. Or maybe, you know, shot in stomach. That's exactly, over, yeah. That's then a, get shot on the top of the that's head. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, and you can get shot as you're falling too. And it can create very interesting trajectories and i've literally seen one where somebody was shot in like the top of their shoulder and when they were shot they were actively bent over and it exited like down at their lower back Hmm. so that trajectory went completely downward from them bending over while they're being shot at i've also seen it where somebody is running from the bullets bending over running and they get shot in the ass a bunch (laughs) and then it will come up at their upper body part area, chest, shoulders. The the explanation that the police prefer about how this bullet ended up in the top of the head is that Michael Brown was charging police, mm. which is kind of, I mean, unless he runs like a fucking cartoon character, I mean, who runs with their head down like that? I mean... The, in, the Naruto run they, or whatever They still fucking shot him 12 times. Yeah. Exactly. They still While he was him. unarmed. Yeah, they still murdered him. Yeah. That's what that's what I get to every time is like anytime anybody wants to like argue this is he was unarmed. 18 year old kid. Yeah. It was a shame. It was awful. Yes. And there were a lot of protests sparked because of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which I'm not against protests at all. Why would you be against protests? (laughs) Yeah. Some people (laughs) are. There's a joke. I'm anti-protest, but I don't know how to show it. 
Cut that. <laughs> it's not my joke. I forget whose joke it is. I don't know. Okay, sorry. A professional comedian who gets paid for their words. You're gonna go back. That, you're gonna you go know, back to way. Alabama, and somebody's gonna say that to you in a bar, and you're gonna be like, "God damn it!" <laughs> so, uh, up until now, there were a handful of professionals raising concerns about Parcells, but now that he's inserted himself into this Michael Brown story. You know, his face is appearing not just on local news broadcasts, but, you know, national, even international news. And more and more Missouri and Kansas coroners, autopsy techs, medical examiners are starting to think about their interactions with Sean Parcells. And as this suspicion swells, it's becoming harder and harder to ignore the possibility that a man with no qualifications has for over a decade been slicing into the remains of Midwesterners. So finally, in 2019, this all falls apart for Parcells, and there's a court order issued that's banning Parcells from performing any autopsies. And in 2020, formal charges get filed and Sean Parcells goes to jail. And so, you know, all of these people have just fucking railed against Parcells. And then when this, you know, this all comes to light, Sean Parcells finally gets charged. The American Association of Pathologist Assistants release a statement. Mm -hmm. Did you read any of this? I didn't, no. They were fucking mad. I'm sure they were. Uh, you know, and they released this large statement. I mean, look at this. I printed it out. The Holy words shit, are that's really super small, small. <laughs> but that's a lot of words. But you know, it, in the statement by the American Association of Pathologist Assistants, amongst this, they write, although he calls himself a pathologist assistant and has referenced the AAPA, Sean Parcells is not a member of the AAPA. Mr. Parcells represents none of the educational professional, or ethical standards that the AAPA and its members uphold. They even go on (laughs) to say, Mr. Parcells has never attended an accredited pathologist assistant training program, did not receive on-the-job training through a supervised internship prior to 2010, and has never been eligible to sit in for the pathologist assistant certification exam. He's never even been eligible to take the exam. (laughs) Mr. Parcells may not even be qualified to perform complex testing in a clinical or anatomic pathology lab, which represents the minimum education requirement. So they're saying (laughs) the smallest thing that, that they can even think of. For a person in this line of work to do, Sean Parcells isn't even fucking qualified for that. <laughs> so now, 2020, everything's finally falling apart. Parcells is facing an enormous number of charges, and it seems like it keeps growing. You know, what I found so far, he's been charged with desecration of a corpse, tons of counts of wire fraud. He has to pay $200,000 for violating the Kansas Consumer Protection Act. Another $200,000 for violating the Kansas False Claim Act. $49,000 in compensation to the Wabonsee County. How do you fucking say that? I'm not from here. I don't know. Well, he's got to pay them $49,000. And uh, also $254,000 in restitution to 82 individuals who paid parcels for these services. Holy shit. So do you want to know something really funny about him? What? <laughs> so I know people, as I mentioned, that did work with him. Um, and I worked with those people as well. So at different times in our lives, I never worked with him myself. We worked with the same people. So there's a few people that I know that kind of just wanted to check on him. And somebody got onto his Instagram that he had. And he like had these like obviously photoshopped or stolen from the internet photos of like his yacht and like oh, I'm looking this, this up right now. extravagant vacations that he went on and stuff. And he was very much like, look at me, look at all the money that I have type of guys. <laughs> it was so desperate. It was so fucking desperate. Uh, but, you know, this issue with Sean Parcells, I mean, it goes beyond just kind of the creepiness of what he's doing and, you know, the possibility of these shoddy autopsies because 
he testified and, you know, maybe up to like 15 court cases, maybe even more. And so people went to jail possibly based on the testimony of Sean Parcell. So mm -hmm. what do you do with this? I mean, even let's just say that Sean Parcells knew what he was doing. Even so, he has no certifications, no qualifications, and he's being used as an expert witness in court cases. Mm -hmm. Don't you have to go and revisit all of this shit now? Technically. I mean, it would give every single quote-unquote guilty person a reason to have a retrial. Basically, I That's mean... That's a pretty damn good reason. Yeah, yeah. The guy that did the autopsy had no qualifications to be doing an autopsy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he had to be feeding off of it or something because even legitimate forensic pathologists get grilled on their experience and their education and whatnot. Like, for him to be even slightly comfortable in court like that. I wonder if he brought out his chiropractic Holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> just lying. And, you know, another problem, like, that's a big fucking problem. Another big fucking problem is that, you know, he's performing autopsies, so he's collecting samples for analysis and things. He had 1,600 <laughs> tissue samples. You know, a lot of it's just little, I guess, blood slides and small samples, mm. but uh, there's some larger objects in there. Did he have full organs? Because, so, during a normal autopsy, there's certain things that have to be met, at least whenever you are accredited. So whenever I do autopsies, every single autopsy has what we call a save jar or a gross jar. And it's little bitty, tiny representative samples of organs that we hold onto for two years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually a year longer than what we're required to. But I mean, to do a legitimate autopsy, we need to keep those little pieces because we also do these little um, histology cassettes that get turned into slides and if say you see something on the slide and you're like oh i see something kind of there but i need another one deeper in the tissue to see make sure it's what i'm seeing and so you can go back to that jar make another slide and then make your diagnosis so if he was performing legitimate autopsies he probably should have been keeping that but i don't know how it works whenever it's private ones like i don't know those rules i don't know well how it works when you're not supposed to be doing the autopsy in the first place <laughs> is that when you get caught somebody has to figure out how to get these 1600 yeah. pieces of humans oh back God. to families oh my so God. Uh, that's a big process that's underway i believe they set a deadline after which they're just going to dispose of what's left i that's would just depressing. assume that everything needed to be medically disposed of like i wouldn't couldn't imagine being handed a piece of my family member after you had some kind of traumatic event that caused you to pay such a scam artist. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh, by the way, here's some bits of your mom. <laughs> like, well, what? I don't think most of the people, I don't think a lot of people are going to take them up on. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, would. speak for yourself, I would. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they had set up a website and everything that you could go to. And if you believed that Sean Parcells might have had a piece of your loved one. Uh, Damn! Oh, I thought you meant they had a website where they had like pieces <laughs> on display. No, I don't be like think I think so, that but... one belongs to somebody. How would like? Could you imagine the amount of money it's going to cost to figure out who is like? Imagine if you didn't label them appropriately. Well, eventually they're just going to destroy those samples, but it's Kansas. I wouldn't. Put the too court much cases, though, is I mean that's going to cost probably yeah. Kansas and Missouri. God, a he's great a piece of shit. Of he's yeah. such a piece of shit. <laughs> So at last check, Sean Parcells was sitting about in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. As it stands, Parcell has a release date of January 17th, 2027, but this very well could change as additional charges continue to be filed. Fuck yes. 2027. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode 42 of Where is the Line? If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe to it as it doesn't really come out on any set schedule. You might also consider joining our Facebook group. That's where most of the activity happens amongst the people who listen to the show. But we also have a Discord and a website, whereistheline.net, that you can check out. Or you might consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, not unlike Bone Thrower Inc. Bone, Bone Thrower, Thrower Inc. Bone Thrower. 
Bound through our ink rights, five stars. Dude, please do more of this. Thus concludes Bone Thrower Inc.'s review. Thank you for that review, Bone Thrower Inc. Flawless. Moving on to voicemails. Our first voicemail comes from someone that we haven't heard from in a little while, but who is a longtime listener, Amber from Alabama. Amber. Hey, Kevin and current co-host. Hope y'all are doing well. This is Amber from Alabama. Long time no voicemail. Went through a crazy past couple of years. Lost my dad. Lost my job. Lost myself along the way and just getting back to whatever semblance of normalcy is for me. And I was going to wait till I caught up on all the episodes to call you, but I just started episode 38. And we're talking about this woman and she's disfigured and it's so horrible. And then you get to the part where you said, Yo, Ma, Ma. And I was like, What the fuck? Number one, Yo, Yo, Ma is a man. And number two, has he had some terrible accident that I don't know about? And then about 10 seconds too late, it clicked. You're saying yo mama and not yo yo ma. So anyway, I'm glad yo yo ma is safe from being disgusting and yo mama jokes. And just wanted to say hi. I'm about to turn the episode back on. But I hope everybody's doing well. And I'll talk to y'all later. Thank you so much for leaving that voicemail, Amber. Thanks, Amber. Our next voicemail, I believe, comes from someone named Elsa from Texas. Hi, um, this is Elsa from Texas, and I'm calling mainly because I haven't gotten a new episode in a while, and I know y'all are busy. I know y'all got things going on, so I'm not trying to be demanding or anything. But it's been a long time since I've had something disturbing to listen to, and I've already listened to all of your episodes three times, so I really do need a new episode as soon as it's humanly possible and convenient for y'all. Um, anyway, love the show. You guys are amazing. Um, something disturbing, uh, molded cheese paste. <laughs> and my favorite curse word is fuck nugget. Okay, fuck love nugget. y'all. <laughs> a lot of fuck nugget. A lot of people say their favorite curse word is fuck nugget. Thanks, I didn't see that coming. But I feel like that should be a pet name for somebody. Fuck nugget. Mm. You my little fuck nugget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you my little fuck nugget. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for that voicemail, fuck nugget from Texas. Her name is Elsa. Elsa from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Our final voicemail for this episode comes from registered voter. All I'm saying is I'm voting for Steve Grigsby <laughs> and Commissioner. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah. Was Thank terrifying. you so much for that voicemail. Uh, I'm not sure who Steve Grigsby is, but I do appreciate you passing along that information. If you'd like to leave a voicemail of your own, you can reach us at 386-227-7848. Does anybody know what that spells? No. I forgot. Oh, my God. Really? No, I'm is it sorry. dumbass tit? Yeah, dumbass I was gonna say some tit. titties. If you'd, like, <laughs> if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call 386-227-7848. Again, that spells dumbass tit. We hope you enjoyed the show. We hope there's not as much space between this one and the next one. Hopefully there will not be. Nope. But you know, who the fuck knows? Nope. We're not a bunch of fuck nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Kids, when you go to bed, stay away from your closets and don't look under your bed.